Welcome back, Zen Parenting Radio. I'm not going to say what number it is. I, that's why I'm smiling at you because I thought you might. No, no. And we are brought to you by Avid Company and Poofin. And we'll give a shout out either in the middle or at the end of the show. But this week we are talking about, are your children conformists? Is your child a somebody who just kind of goes with the flow and does whatever his friends say? Well, we're here to stop that immediately. <laughs> you know, I thought you just said we were going to talk about how children are all different and not just conformist. Well, we're going to go both ways. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about the kid who just kind of goes with the flow and does whatever his friends say, and then we're going to talk about the kid who has his own mind to the point where he doesn't even listen to anybody. So we can discuss the fact that if someone has more than two, one, two, three children, that all their children may be different and that all of those children are just fine. Absolutely. Regardless of their differences. Do you want to know what the average number of um, kids 82. in a house? Oh, no, sorry. you're not listening to my question. Sorry. The average number of children in a household. Average number of children, two and a half. 2.5. I know. I'm smart. I know. Isn't that a crazy number? Yeah. It's like two and a half men, the show. Yeah. With Charlie Sheen, but now it's Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. I think that starts this week, it if does. I remember correctly. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I will not be tuning into that. Neither will I. I'm not. But I hope it goes well for Ashton because I would really like to see him succeed in that. I think he, he's he a He succeeds guy. in everything he does, doesn't he? I don't know if his movies What have about been... The Guardian? The Guardian. We watched the movie The Guardian, and I swear, about five different times, we saw the boom mics from the top of the screen. You know what? I don't even think anyone knows what The Guardian is. It like came out like four years ago. It had Kevin Costner and Ashton Kutcher, and it was really poorly done, and yeah. we wanted to like it. Mm-hmm. Remember, we were like, okay, that's a good part. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, wait, so there's the boom there's mic. There's the boom mic again. <laughs> I don't know if the screen was too big. I don't know what happened. It was just brutal. But anyway, so back to our children. So yeah, this kind of comes from, um, you know, it seems like as I do this radio show, I end up having these conversations that I otherwise never would have Mm -hmm. and I talked to a lot of parents and they're like oh you should talk about this or you should talk about that and just in the last uh, week or so I've had a few parents say you know my kid just does whatever his friends say or Mm -hmm. and and they don't have a backbone or they don't have a spine and they don't and I'm worried that when this kid turns 14 he's going to do whatever his friends do and, Mm -hmm. and they get concerned about um you know their their child making bad choices, um, and we'll we'll go the other direction too. About uh, but the thing that I think resonates the most with me is when they're just kind of going with the flow to a fault where they don't have it. And honestly, when I brought this idea to you, I didn't really have any great ideas or things that we could share. So I'm kind of excited about this discussion to see where it takes us. Well, just um, what's the average age that your friends are talk- um, talking about? One kids? was like eight years old. Okay. So and, around the age of our kids. Yeah. And the other one I think was like 10 or something like that. Right. And then we'll tell our own stories about um, our kids. Our kids. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they, were, they weren't they were in the teenage years, but they, were, they kind of fast forwarded. And that's the thing is I think they're worried about those teenage years. And so they're thinking about that and watching their children's behavior today. You brought this up to me as an idea. And the first thing that came into my mind is that oftentimes we watch our kids, not oftentimes, all the times we watch our kids through our own eyes. Mm -hmm. And so we look at them through our experience and our lens and who we are, and we worry about how they will be or what they were doing because of our experiences. So that was a lot. That was a mouthful. But why I say that is because if we can kind of shift the way that we look at them our stress level will go down, meaning a child who is eight, mm-hmm. let's just use that age, is kind of supposed to be watching everybody else and following everybody else and seeing what's going on because mm-hmm. they're in a learning 
period of their life. Right. They're experiencing new people for the first time, lots of different people, um, girl relationships, boy relationships, groups of 10, groups of two, groups of three. And there is a lot of following mm-hmm. that occurs in that situation. A lot of children learn mm-hmm. by following others. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they follow them constantly or that everything they do is about what other people are doing. But that may be a period that they're in right now where they're learning by watching others. Well, and as a dad, I could say some of my baggage is like, let's say JC um, doesn't want to, she's going to school and she doesn't want to be different with whatever she's wearing or an activity she does. And as a dad, I kind of want, I've had moments where I've wanted her like, who cares about what your friends are doing and just be your own person. And I think I forget that this is a phase and this is kind of how they learn it. But as a dad, I'm always like, well, I want my daughter to think on her own and she doesn't always have to go with the flow on all on everything or, and not that she does that, but Mm -hmm. whatever the decision was, whether it's, you know, let's say that it was like, um, a certain day at school where they're supposed to wear certain clothes and she's doing it just so she doesn't have to be different or something like that. And I'm like, well, you know, what if you're different? What's the big deal? And I have to kind of allow for them to figure that out for themselves instead of me telling her, no, don't do everything. You're like, I, I just have a quick story. Well, can I, can you stop right there for one sure. second? Cause I have two things I want to say and sure. then you go into your story. Okay. The one thing is, is that she has to learn how to conform before she learns to not conform. Correct. Okay. Right. So some kids just have a different personality. And if you have the kind of kid who doesn't ever conform, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. And conform carries a heavy energy. I just mean a kind of kid who's like, oh, I'm always going to wear bright colored socks and I don't care what other people think. That's great too. Right. There isn't a good or bad. But what I'm saying is some children have to feel what it feels like to mm-hmm. walk that line of being like everyone else, to know what it feels like to expand. And the other thing I want to focus on, this is kind of taking us really deep quickly, but mm-hmm. I'll do that anyway, is you just said, you know, me as her dad, I want her to be her own person and blah, blah, blah. And I would reflect that back on you Mm -hmm. and not just you, Todd, but everybody who's listening and say, take that in yourself and say, I wish I was the kind of person that would do that, that would be, that would stand out and do what I want. Because truthfully, Mm -hmm. are we, you know, I'm just going to talk to the audience here instead of you. Are you really talking, you know, speaking up for yourself? Are you really wearing whatever you want to wear? Right. Are you really being your own person or are you trying to make your child do what you can't do? So in other words, the child can be your mirror. Exactly. So in other words, if I say, no, JC, be your own person, it could be that I'm not... You may be struggling with struggling that Struggling with it, right. And then, and, yeah, then it, go, it goes back to that. And that's such a, a little bit, it's a tougher concept to grasp because it's scary. Like, oh, then all of a sudden all this pressure all this worry is not on your kid it's on you and then i have to look at myself in the mirror and it and it's the truth because i believe this is professionally speaking personally speaking spiritually speaking anything that triggers us really significantly mm-hmm. is something that we need to look at in ourselves right. any person that drives us absolutely crazy mm-hmm. there's something in them mm-hmm. that is similar to something in ourselves that we may not like about ourselves right. so it's not something it's not that we want to be like them it's maybe that we don't want to but we have that in us or anything in our child that drives us crazy. It could be something we weren't allowed to express mm-hmm. or something we were forced to express. It just is a good reflection. Like instead of looking at your child and saying, gosh, why won't you be different? Mm-hmm. I think when you have that feeling, instead to really, you know, you have the feeling, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up about it. But then take that back in and say, okay, what's that all about? Well, one thing, like if I think of some of the ugliest qualities in people, uh-huh. um, one of those qualities is I can't stand it when people feel like they are entitled to something. Right. 
and it really triggers me. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody thinks that they're better than somebody else. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that I think I'm better than everybody else because it no, triggers me? No, absolutely not. It, you know, you don't. It doesn't have to be so literal, but it could be. Let's mm-hmm. just play that. Sometimes you wish you would give yourself more of ownership of things, or you would allow yourself to to be more entitled, that it's okay sometimes to stand your ground and to say, this is what I want and this is who I am. Again, it's these words, the semantics, the the energy of these words make them good or bad. Mm -hmm. And entitlement in itself isn't good or bad. But the way we talk about it in terms of parenting carries a negative energy because entitlement in parenting means you're raising a spoiled kid. Mm In reality, entitlement, we are all entitled to a happy life. We're all entitled to joy. We're all entitled to live our best life. So entitlement isn't bad. It just, when it's out of balance, it's bad. Well, let me turn the tables on you. Think of one ugly quality or characteristic in other people that drives you kind of nutty. People that are, oh gosh, you know, the one that I talk about a lot is people who are really cold. Mm-hmm. You know, people who who don't you have... You mean their body temperature? <laughs> no. Oh. People who are... Wasn't there Mr. Freeze and Batman? You probably really wouldn't have liked them. You know what? I have no idea Arnold Schwarzenegger is. was Mr. Freeze in one of the Batman I movies. didn't see that Batman. Oh. I saw... So you don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger? No. Oh. Well, you know, he's not on my list these days. He <laughs> hasn't been making great choices. I liked the first Batman. I liked um, The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And I liked, I liked the one with George Clooney that nobody liked. I think that was Batman and Robin. Yeah. It had a good U2 song in it. And Chris O'Donnell was Chris in it. O'Donnell. Yeah, it was good, but Went no one liked it. Went to my high school, it. Chris O'Donnell. I know. Okay. He's your guy. So you don't like cold people. Well, it... <laughs> I don't know what that means. What I mean is when people are so... Um... Withdrawn? Withdrawn. And you know Dismissive? What? Dismissive is a better word. Because withdrawn, sometimes people are sad and right. need to be that way. It's not that I don't like them. It's that I'm like, oh, why can't you smile? Mm. Why can't why can't you find the joy in the day? Oh, okay, and I the see. truth is, is that that's something that I don't like when I feel that in myself. Right. You know, like when I'm feeling that way, that's not... I don't think it's anyone's true nature, but it makes me so uncomfortable in my mm. skin to feel that way that when I see, see someone else who's like cold and dismissive or whatever, I'm like... You know, buck up, but right. really, it's kind of my own right. ugh, uncomfortable. But but it takes an awareness to look at it like it's my own stuff. I think most of us, including us, most of the time, we get lost and we direct all that negative energy outward instead of taking ownership of what is what is my baggage. Why does this Why does this get me so crazy? And there's a clinical word for that called projection. Uh, it's where everything that goes on inside of us that we don't want to deal with, we project it on other people. Gotcha. Like, for example, that's what basically gossiping is, mm-hmm. is anything we like to talk about other people and make them bad mm-hmm. and look at their choices and look at the decisions they make and look at what they wear because we're struggling with the same issues, but it makes, it, makes us feel a lot less heavy a lot it makes us feel better to put it on other people they're wrong mm-hmm. we're right mm-hmm. and if we do that's what everybody does in the world gossiping drives me nuts i know that's you've one never of my been triggers. a fan and i think i um i don't know where this comes from but last week i threw my dad under the bus so mm-hmm. this week i think i'll throw my mom under oh the great bus. i'm sure she'll love that i was at a concert one time and the next i was like whatever 16 or 17 and it's when you start making some choices that probably aren't the best right and i was at a john mellencamp concert and my mom... Pink houses? Yeah, pink house, paper, paper and fire. <laughs> I don't like paper and fire. And my mom, like a few days later, told me that I was dancing in the buses all drunk and stuff. And I'm like, wait a second, you weren't even there. And I wasn't dancing that in wasn't the true, aisle of the buses. That completely wasn't true. 
And it's like the, all the little women in the neighborhood started talking about how I was dancing in the buses. And I wasn't dancing in any buses. So basically gossip got uh, back to your mom and your mom assumed it was true. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. That's not cool. Well, and that's what gossip can do. It gets all, um, what's the word, mutated, mm-hmm. where it goes from, it's like playing that communication game where it goes from one person to the next and it gets blown up and it becomes something bigger than it is. And that was something that I made an effort. It was actually after reading one of Deepak Chopra's books, um, or no, maybe it's the four agreements. I don't remember, but I really, I never thought of myself as a gossipy person anyway, but mm-hmm. I really started catching myself if ever I started talking to somebody else about somebody else. Well, if somebody initiates gossip, you need to kind of hold your seat yes, hold your and, ground. and decide not to do it because right. if you don't do it, it's just so much easier to go along with it. It is because you can be like, oh yeah, that what you know, and it's one thing to find humor in things. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with venting. Mm-hmm. Like if I come home and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this person drove me crazy. I have to tell you this. That is what I call venting. Mm-hmm. And maybe women do and that more than men. Too. It's self-care for me because if I don't talk to someone about it, it builds up. And so I need to say, oh, this is like driving me crazy. But it's not something I spread all over the neighborhood. Right. It's something that goes to a safe place and mm-hmm. dissipates. Right. Or maybe I journal about it. But right. most of the time I tell you, you right. get a, you get an earload a lot. I do. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's called venting. Gossip is when you spread something to other people where it becomes other people's business mm-hmm. about someone else's life. Well, and um, I, I think I should introduce a new segment to the show called Throwing My Parents Under the Bus. Oh, poor. Because I poor just parents. thought of another thing that my dad did. Okay. When I was in sixth grade, when I was in football, and every time you score a touchdown, you used to get a star on your helmet. Yeah, or you'd get a sticker. We did yeah, that in high sticker, school, too. Right. And that it showed how many tackles you right, got. Stuff right, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So in sixth grade, whatever, I was um, I was making making touchdowns and doing all these good things. And my dad told me not to have my coach put stars on my helmet. And what was the reason behind that? I don't know. I think he saw some other players in college football that were really, really good who decided not to put stars in their helmet to show that to make themselves look even brighter, saying, uh, "Oh, this kid doesn't need stars in his helmet." See, so my dad told me not to do that, and I said, "Okay." And then when the time came, uh, my coach said, "Okay, Todd, you got two touchdowns last uh, last game, so here are your two stars." And I said, "No, I don't need any." And he's like, "Why not?" I said, "Okay." Put them on. Like I, I put up go. a small front and then I, I caved into uh, the pressure of the coach. Well, did you cave in or did you do what you wanted? Did you I want did those what stickers? I, wa- I wanted Thank those stickers. You. And I was going to say some of that, let's go back to the entitlement thing, is maybe a lot of times you were forced for whatever reason to push off some, mm-hmm. you know, and I know you were given plenty of attention, but mm-hmm. maybe push off some attention because other people told you to right. or because you felt like you should or you felt like you were getting too much. And so that's why entitlement mm-hmm. and other people drives you crazy because you were nailed, never able to claim that right. space for yourself. Right. So, you know, we're just Well, and I want to be clear. Um, it's funny because here I just gave two examples of throwing my parents <laughs> under the bus. Um, this And what's great about my relationship with my parents right now is I don't have any, um, it, it, as much as it sounds contradictory, I love them even more because I can kind of look back on my childhood and kind of laugh and know that they did the best they could. Well, and understand why. And understand why. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that I talk to still have this bent-up aggression and, and, and anger towards mistakes that their parents made and i no parent we're not perfect no. no parents are parent we're trying to do the best we can and other and our parents did the best that they could with what they have and i have completely let that go and i love them for it and i and know like you a said, lot even of, more now and a lot of right. 30 and 40 year old kids our ages still have all this baggage from when they were little 
and they just need to let it go. Mm-hmm. It's 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 over and love them because they did the best they could. Well, and sometimes that necessitates more than just letting go, meaning sometimes there's work that needs to be sure. done to heal some wounds. You don't just say, oh, I'm going to let it but, go. But if you get stuck in that right, then and you're you need still to ask a 13-year-old, yeah. still mad at your mom because she made you do something. Internally a 13-year-old. Internally, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, totally understandable. So, so the moral of the story is give your parents a break. Give them a break. Because you know what? When our kids are our age, we're going to want them to give us a break. I know. And you know, something that I heard that's so true, you know, you and I are so thoughtful about um, how we parent and obviously we have the show and we discuss, but there's still things we're not going to do right. There's still things that are going to maybe make our, you know, when our kids grow up say, oh, that didn't work for me. I mean, there's no way, there's no such thing as perfect. And there's no way to do this without making a mistake. You got to do the best you can with what you have right now. And I think part of what this show is, is helping everybody be the best they can be right now. Not so they can perfect the process of parenting, but so they can really, when, when the time comes, they can say, I did what I knew how to do. I was, I parented in awareness. Well, and I, um, make it very clear to my kids, especially Cameron for, for whatever reason, Cameron's popped in my mind. She, I say to them, daddy makes mistakes every single day. And it's important because I remember when I was a little kid, I used to think my parents were perfect and I didn't want to bring up my kids thinking that I was perfect. And mistakes are when you learn. They are. And don't think of mistakes as a bad thing. Mistakes are really the only time you learn. Well, and it gives your kids permission to make mistakes. To make their own mistakes. Because otherwise they'll hide them from you or pretend or blame or project or mm-hmm. all these things we were talking about. So it really is, it's a gift to them to be as human as you can. Like I was telling someone, uh, one of my friends this weekend about that one of the my favorite parts of my job, my mission on this earth is to teach joy, but not joy in the sense of, oh, be happy all the time and be positive. Joy is living a full life, mm-hmm. which means being human, making mistakes, getting angry, crying sometimes, releasing, healing, being happy. It's all of that. That's mm-hmm. what joy is, and that's what that's what parenting is. You can't do it one way. It's mm-hmm. it's it's all over the board and you learn and you grow and you know, every day. So we're so off topic. Do you want to go back to these? Well, what I was going to do is I was going to pick up your book. Okay. But you're not going to read it, are you? I'm going to read one small paragraph. But one be- small. Beforehand, um, uh, I asked you, is there any chapters in your book that go with the whole conformity idea? And if Or you, nonconformity. Or nonconformity. And I'm wondering if you can... Uh, just give a quick, brief summary of this chapter, Freedom to Be, and then oh. I'll read the Okay, thing. well, in my first book, there's a chapter called Freedom to Be, and basically it's talking about our oldest daughter when she went to preschool. Um, and all of our daughters have are the kind of people, they're, they're all very different, but they all usually start an experience very quiet, meaning they are they all kind of observe situations before they, they talk. That's just kind of the way they are, and once they feel comfortable and there's a different time for each of them when they feel comfortable. They're comfortable and they're there. But um, sometimes in uh, situations like school, teachers or whoever expect children to talk immediately. And our oldest daughter did not want to and refused for almost half the year. Over, to, over half the year. Over half the year to speak. We got a note from the teachers at like Christmas break saying, we love JC. She's a great kid. But she doesn't P.S. talk. She has not talked to us a single time. And that, and she talked to her friends. She talked to her friends, but she didn't. She just didn't talk to the teachers, and and it really started to bother them. Um, I don't know how far you want to go into this. Well, but, I think it's a good story. So, well, it, the just one part of it that kind of gives you an indication is Todd and I were so green in this area. We weren't. We knew we didn't want to push her to talk, but we also were still in that world of we want to make the teachers feel comfortable. Right. And so 
we, I would say to her, you know, talk to her at home about it. And how do you feel about talking to the teachers? Uh, you know, I, again, I didn't want to push her. And then one thing that really pushed me to the other side is I showed up for school one day to get her and a teacher said to me, um, we really wanted to make her talk today. So we told her that unless she talked to us, we wouldn't help her with her lunch. And that really bothered me. Mm -hmm. So basically, JC sat there not eating her lunch because she didn't want to talk, and they were kind of holding that over her. And that was where you and I kind of switched and said, okay. We're going to advocate for our daughter. We're going to advocate for our child. This is not okay. And there was no anger. We weren't angry at the teachers. We just said, you don't need to do that. bad idea. Basically, we said, don't make her talk. We are okay with it. Mm -hmm. We know she can speak. Mm -hmm. We know she will communicate. And um, don't don't worry about it. Well, and as parents, I'm going to read this one chapter and then I'll tell a quick Not story. Not a chapter, just I'm a sorry, question. this one paragraph. So this is what your lesson is in the freedom to be. And this is from your first book. This is from my first book. Sometimes you have the end in mind when teaching your children. Do you want them to do something simply to please you? Or do you give them enough space and time to find what pleases them? You have to consider safety and boundaries. But when it's simply about readiness and interest, allow your children to take the lead. Instead of focusing on who you want them to be, let them tell you who they are. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you. Nice job, sweetie. Thank you. So one quick story is my friend Frank came over last week, and Frank said to my daughters, hey, what's your name? How old are you? And they they don't know they, Frank. Right. They don't know him. And I think a lot of parents would be like, tell Frank who you are. Tell him how old you are. Right. And instead, we just let the awkwardness of the room happen. Yeah. Because I knew Frank can handle it. Right. Adults can handle it. Adults can handle it. Yeah. And But I think we as adults um, have the social pressure like, oh, I don't want them to think my kid's rude or something like that. We as like parents that. do, yeah. And instead, I just let them not answer him. Mm-hmm. I challenge the audience to let their kids not answer in a social situation. It's, right. it's not an easy thing to do. Right. We, I have the strength to do it because I've been reading your book. And, <laughs> well, and we've raised three children who have been taught similar things where they, we don't force them to. Right. And so we're kind of used to those awkward or the thing, you know, going a step further. We've talked about this on the show, but it's forcing your children to hug people. They don't know right. forcing or your children. Grandparents. To, we could talk about grandparents. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, some certain, you know, um, our girls have four different grandparents and all four different relationships and the different amount of time spent with each one. And there's times when, say, a grandpa will say, come give me a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> right. And the kid doesn't want to give. And we just let them not do right. that. And, you know, what we do is if it, you know, if they're kind of stand there, they don't know what to do. And especially if our kids look to us, we say, you want to give them a high five or mm-hmm. do you want to give them, you know, a fist bump or mm-hmm. something? Instead, we give other options. Because right. it's not about that we don't want them to connect. Right. We know what the purpose behind hugs are. It's to have these people connect. Mm-hmm. But to force children to hug people they're not comfortable to hug is not a good message that you want them to integrate okay you're uncomfortable that doesn't feel right go hug them anyway there's a there's a deeper message there's an ickiness there where then they can experience that later in life right you know we're we're hoping that they listen to their gut and Mm -hmm. know when it feels right to hug someone right and it has nothing to do with the grandparents they're great people it's just let them make that choice and then what's so beautiful is when our girls do hug our Mm -hmm. grand the grandparents it's awesome right like i just saw that picture yesterday of my dad Mm -hmm. with jc and i was like oh that's so good well and it's on their terms i always advise grandparents to let the grandchild come to them instead of you push yourself on onto them saying you know you get in their space and say okay i'm your grandpa or i'm your grandma come give me a kiss if you let them come to you it'll happen a lot quicker right 
Um, you know, we, we started the show by saying we were going to talk about kids not conforming. Sure. And I guess that kind of, in a way, is sure. teaching them how to not conform. I don't think we're that off subject. Um, but I wanted to get back to talking about how kids, all of the kids in the family are different. Okay. And that it's okay if you have one child that you believe to be a leader and say the second born is more of a follower and the third born you're not sure yet. That's okay. And I, I know that sounds really a simple thing to say, but I think we think that there's one way for a child to be. And what we really have to do is stand back and watch how they learn and how they interact and trust that they are doing what they need to do in that moment to get the information they need. And all we can do is when they come to us and maybe if they are struggling with something like, oh, my friend doesn't treat me well, or then we can give them some advice on, oh, maybe next time you can speak your mind or if they ask or if we're noticing. But if they are just going about their day and enjoying, we've watched all of our kids follow it sometime or another, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes more than others and at different times. But that is a part of being a kid right. that and to ask our children to be anything other than what they are is not fair it's trying to make them an eight-year-old into a 40-year-old right you know they don't have the history we have we have to let them create that history yeah. and instead of worrying about how they're going to be when they're 13 let's be with them when they're eight right. and be available to support them and talk to them when they need it and by the time they're 13 they may be done with that conformist thing mm-hmm. or maybe they've just started it mm-hmm. and that's okay too right as long as we're there to support them through the process but we got we've got to step away from telling our kids how to be and i think as parents sometimes we're like well if we just sit there and allow everything to be then what is my role? And I know you just said it. It's to support, to answer questions when the time Validate. comes. But I think a lot of times we think we are so important in these people's lives that we need to put upon our values on them or this is the way you should be. And instead just kind of allowing them to figure it out for themselves while at the same time loving and supporting them. We stand back with our arms open wide. We don't hold on too tight. We stand back. It's roots and wings. We give them a place to call home and then we let them fly, you know, and these are all metaphors, but really they really help me when I'm trying to figure out what to do. And we talk a lot about, um, we're in the newspaper this week. Did you know that? Yeah. We're in the Elmhurst Press and um, which I think is, it's not just Elmhurst. It's a newspaper for the West Suburban. But we talk about the, you know, what is the meaning behind Zen Parenting Radio and what, what I write about my books and that's really it Mm. you know giving them you know legs to stand on but also standing back enough so they can take off on their own yeah and we can let them be yeah so um another thing that i want to share besides the newspaper thing is i'm speaking this thursday in oak park so those of you who live in the western suburbs or anywhere in chicagoland i'm speaking in oak park at um grace episcopal church that's that's who's holding it but it's an event um that is being sponsored by Integrative uh, Something Solutions? No, um, Psychology Associates. There you go. Yeah, and they are um, sponsoring it. It's free. And, I like um, free stuff. I like free stuff. I'm a big fan. And go on um, our Facebook page, and you'll see the all, all the information. It's 7 o'clock this Thursday, um, the 22nd. Right. Okay. Um, and then uh, let's talk about Avid Company. Okay. Painting, remodeling, additions in the Chicagoland area. Give them a call. They're excellent. They're excellent. And then uh, Poofin, obviously, is uh, our new sponsor. Poofin.com. Poofin.com. And give a quick description of what they are. Well, Poofin are these awesome soft pillows, and you can get red, blue, or pink. So depending on what your child likes. And it's this pillow that 
holds other pillows that are called charms and the charms are indicators of who your child is and your child picks out these charms based on who they are what they're interested in and so it'd be like little dogs or you know kinds of food or sayings or whatever and you can go on the website poofin.com and your children can look at all the charms on the website but what I want to talk about real quick is that you can customize a charm to put in their pillow like for example you can take a picture and upload it to their site and then it'll create a little charm a little pillow to put in your pillow that is a picture that you have. It goes into the Poofin factory machine. Yeah, you have to go on the Poofin website and like make one because it like the machine it, actually. You see the machine churn it out. Churn it out. It like has smoke and all these rainbows come out. It's really fun. It's like worth a look. Yeah, Poofin.com. And um, we want to show them that our audience are loyal audiences that will listen to our message. And when we started it, Poofin was at like 170 Facebook page, and now they're over 200. And we challenge our audience to get on there and like their Facebook page. Like their Facebook page. You just got to – the reason that we love them as a uh, sponsor is because we believe in what Poofin is doing. They are basically – they created a toy that helps build the self-confidence of children. It basically gives children something to call their own, a way to describe themselves, a way to own themselves, validate themselves. I mean, can you think of a better toy? It's like the best. So – um, definitely uh, check that out, poofin.com. All right, and here is my movie line of the week, so give it a listen. I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. Oh, yeah, you can milk anything with nipples. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? And scene. So, anyways, get on our Facebook page and uh, do it up. So. Yeah, uh, Facebook page, like our page, then Parenting Radio, and like Poofin's page, and like Avid's page. That's right. Don't forget about Avid. And uh, Mom's Night In, don't forget about that. Yeah, if you need a Mom's Night In, um, check out my website, KathyCassaniAdams.com. Get all your girlfriends together or your girlfriends and their husbands. And, and we'll, then we'll do it. We'll both show up. We'll both show up. So, um, I think that's it. That was a good show. Yeah. So, with that, this is Todd Adams saying... Oh, saying what? Saying goodbye. Oh, and this is Kathy Adams saying goodbye. See you next week.